Welcome to Itu Talks. It's a podcast in which we chat about the English language landscape, conversing about topics relevant to students like yourself. We're kicking off our first episode with Jay, co-founder of E2 Language, talking about his background in education, how it led to E2 Language, and what the plans are for the company. Hello, everyone. My name is Sally, and I'm a content writer here at E2 Language. And today I'm interviewing Jay, our Director of Teaching and Learning. Hi, Jay. Hello, Sally. How are you? Pretty good. I've just woken up from a nap, actually. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> now you know, I sleep under my desk sometimes. <laughs> so can you start off by telling us a little bit about E2 Language and what it does? Yes. All right. So E2 Language is an online test preparation platform. So what we do is prepare people, candidates, mm-hmm. for their IELTS, their OET, their TOEFL or their PTE academic Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Okay, and who's Jay? We see him in videos on YouTube, on E2 Language. Mm-hmm. What does he do? Well, uh, he does lots of things. Actually, not much. You know what? I don't do much at all these days. I just, <laughs> I just work on E2 Language, to be honest. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so I've become the face of this company, mm-hmm. which is cool because I was a co-founder, or I am a co-founder, so I think that's fair. Um, and I was one of the first ones to start live streaming out onto YouTube for uh, IELTS videos mm-hmm. and uh, PTE prep videos, stuff like that. So, yeah, our YouTube channels have racked up millions and millions and millions of views now. So, yeah, I've sort of become, well, sometimes I get sort of seen and uh, hugged in the street. So Hugged in the street? Well, I've been hugged once, actually. By whom? By this guy who worked in a service station. Oh, a guy. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, a guy who worked in a service station who was trying to pass his PTE, and he mm-hmm. did. And um, I walked in. He said, excuse me, um, what do you do for a job? And I said, oh, I'm a teacher. And he said, are you Jay? And then he, that was the first time someone recognized me, actually, and he gave me a hug and then offered me free Aww. sausage rolls. Oh, that's so sweet. Yes, that was that was cool. But it all started a long, long time ago, actually. It's um, mm-hmm. not just a recent thing. We've been working on this business, this company, for many years. Um, and for me personally, it started, well, the English language thing started also a long time ago. Um, but I did an undergraduate degree in literature mm-hmm. when I was like 20, straight out of high school. Um, which then led me into a teaching diploma. And then I thought, oh, the last thing in the world I want to do is become a high school teacher. (laughs) So I managed to avoid that just and uh, went on to do a master's degree in applied linguistics and specialised in technology and language learning. And that's where I met you. You were in, I actually gave a guest lecture and you were in the crowd. You came back after a few years, gave a guest lecture and I was studying the same course at the time and that's where I met you and that's how I ended up here. Yeah, we've got a a few Melbourne Uni graduates working here now, which is cool. Yeah, Uh, Dan and Lucy, for example. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, Yeah, so that's my sort of formal background, my educational background and then I actually had lots of experience sort of living in different countries, uh, learning different languages mm-hmm. or being surrounded at least by different languages. So uh, the first one was Indonesia. I lived in Yogyakarta and uh, Java in Indonesia for a year mm. and um, studied at the university and taught English at the university. That was my first teaching job when I was nine. How old was I? 
19, I think, something oh, like that. Wow. What yeah. was that like, teaching when you were 19? I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. I would think so. <laughs> I remember I used to wear a T-shirt and I remember the director of the university was like, excuse me, Jay, can you please wear a shirt? And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was introduced that way. Um, after Indonesia, what did I do? Oh, yeah, I spent time in India. Oh, wow. Yeah, in uh, in Karnataka, in Mysore. Beautiful. Well, it's not a small city. Small for Indian <laughs> not standards. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. Um, but that was pretty cool. So I I did a study abroad through the University of Iowa, studied like Indian philosophy, cultural studies, sociology, oh, um, wow. Sanskrit, Canada. That's interesting. I can't remember okay. any of it. I'm so sorry. I can't remember how to I, say it. I don't speak Canada, so I won't take offense. Yeah, but it was totally cool. So we had all these guest lectures by all these like fascinating Brahmins and like anthropologists and... Wow. Yeah, I was totally obsessed with India, actually, which is kind of ironic because now we've got a massive Indian following. I know. Yeah. In yeah. fact, at one stage, I thought I was going to become an Indologist. Really? Like, a, like an expert in the country of India, <laughs> like an Egyptologist. <laughs> I think you kind of are sort of helping out Indians in such a huge way. So Yeah. It's funny how that sort of yeah. came back, actually. Really strange. Was that it? Just India and Indonesia then? Uh, no. And then uh, then where did I go? I went to, I spent, I can't remember which one came first, but I spent a year in Arnhem Land in Australia living with, well, not living, I shouldn't say not living with Aboriginal people. I was living in a community of Aboriginal people, uh, the Yungal people. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Aussie rock music, but there's a band called Yothu Yindi. Have you heard no. <laughs> All right. Everyone should Google Yothu Yindi. Um, anyway, that's that. where Yothu Yindi are from. And it's a really cool, interesting community right up on the northern tip of uh, the Northern Territory of Australia. Mm. So I spent a year there. That was, you know what, that was like probably culturally more interesting or, or different, I should say, than anywhere else in the world I've been. It was fascinating. Wow. Were you teaching English there? Um, no, I, was, I would work with the school sometimes, um, but my job was to do social work with the Aboriginal kids and young boys especially. I was oh. trying to be a mentor or a good influence on them. So noble. <laughs> Very noble, yeah. <laughs> yeah, strange. I used to just go fishing and play soccer and stuff with them. So that was interesting. And then following that, I spent two years in South Korea, which is like totally different to Arnhem Land. I would imagine, yeah, yeah. Seoul, from Arnhem Land to Seoul. And that's where I sort of started to take teaching a bit more seriously, mm-hmm. English teaching, and then came back to Australia, started teaching in a classroom here in Melbourne at a university. Uh, yeah, so that's the sort of journey. So what made you decide to go online instead of, you know, to like continuing to teach in the classroom? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um... I just remember a, f- a few things, but I'm, first of all, I just remember thinking that my classes weren't reaching anybody but the 25 people in my classroom. Mm. And I thought, you know what, that kind of sucks because I'd like this to be out there in the world. Because you know, I wasn't wasn't great by any stretch, but I just thought mm-hmm. I did see what was on YouTube and it wasn't very good. And I thought, you know what, I, I might be able to do this better. 
Um, so there was that. So there was the sort of, you know, penetration thing. I thought I could send this out into the world. Um, the other thing was I just thought classroom teaching was not as effective as it could be if it were done online using mm -hmm. technology, you know. I think that's the direction we are moving in anyway. So why resist it? Yeah. See, in a classroom, there's one teacher and you're talking to 25 students and you're giving, delivering a broadcast lecture that's very general. Mm -hmm. No one's getting any specific personalised tuition. Yeah. At most, you would spend like two or three minutes with a student, you know, looking over his shoulder and saying, yeah. oh, you know, look at this verb phrase or whatever. But with the online stuff, um, well, first of all, you can use the computer technology to identify errors and, mm -hmm. you know, to feed in methodologies at the right time, for example. And then with the one-on-one -on -one tutorials, you know, 45 minutes with the teacher is incredibly powerful. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so I just sort of started to think, you know what, I think it can be done better online. And I think we've proven that, to be honest. I reckon, I reckon if we did an experiment and took the best bricks and mortar language school in the world mm -hmm. and we took E2 language and did an effectiveness study, I reckon E2 language would kick some butt. So is that what E2 language is trying to achieve in terms of uh, reaching out to more people, providing them with quality language education? Yeah. Yeah, we're trying to be as effective as we possibly can. And effective also comes with that is efficiency. We're trying to be as efficient as we possibly can. A lot of people don't have time to, you know, do a six-month preparation course, right. let alone a six-week preparation course. They might have six days. Mm -hmm. So we need to give that individual as much information as possible, as clearly as possible, so they pop out the other end, take their exam, achieve the scores they want, and thank you very much for coming. That's it. Um, yeah, in terms of quality, you know, we're, we're constantly mm, keeping our fingers on the pulse of new technologies, mm -hmm. but also I think there's a lot of subtlety in what we do. For example, um, the content that we write, the content mm -hmm. that you write and or help with, it's, it's critical that the questions that we write for the IELTS or for the PT, that they are of the same level as the actual exam. Right. And they yeah. don't lead people in the wrong direction. You know, the essay prompt, which mm -hmm. looks like a very simple thing to write, but in fact, it's quite challenging to write one that matches the IELTS one, that, yeah. that tries to elicit that same language that the IELTS does. Or a multiple choice question for the PT, as you know, is, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. It can be tricky. It can take hours, can't yeah. it? Yeah. A good reorder paragraph. Mm. I know you love those ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I reckon it can be tough at times, especially when you look at the other materials that are available online. Mm. I think we do a pretty good job with, in terms of quality, yeah. Yeah, people need to be careful with what they use. Because mm. some questions you see online are just, they're either impossible mm -hmm. because there is no answer. Or there's multiple correct multiple answers. Multiple answers, yeah. Or That's they're just true. dead simple. And so they arrive on test day and think, oh, this is different to what I've been practicing mm -hmm. with. So, no, yeah, I'm, I definitely try and push people to use good quality stuff rather than, yeah. you know, expedient stuff. And I reckon that's what sets E2 apart from everything else that's available online. I think so. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think we'll continue to set ourselves apart from the rest by focusing on quality and effectiveness. 
Well, and what about the teachers? We've spoken about the content and what do you have to say about the teachers and what would they do for E2 language? Yeah, good question. I don't think we sort of sell our teachers on the website well enough. I don't think people really know about what's happening in the background mm -hmm. of E2 language with the tutorials and the live classes and the assessments and stuff. Um, because in fact, we employ extremely well-educated Mm -hmm. and experienced teachers. M almost all of our teachers have master's degrees mm -hmm. in linguistics, applied linguistics, TESOL, you know, those sorts of subjects. They've all had at least a decade, mm -hmm. if not more, in some cases a few decades. One of our teachers is 76 years old, for example. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and she's amazing. That's a lot of experience, She, she delivers yeah. one of the best OET tutorials you can have, I think. She's extraordinary. But um, yeah, so we, we employ really good teachers. Uh, most of them are native speakers, but we've got a couple who aren't, but they're brilliant. You wouldn't know the difference. Mm -hmm. uh, so the sort of feedback they deliver is, you know, second to none. Um, yeah, and these people are delivering the tutorials and the live classes, etc. And are they all here in Melbourne? No, they're spread around the world. Um, one of the things we had to do is... Um, find teachers in other parts of the world because of time zone issues because mm, yeah. about 40% of our students are in Australia, 60% are, could be in any country on the planet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're going to, you don't really want to take tutorials at 3am. So, <laughs> so we have teachers in the UK, Canada, the US, um, all around the place. Yeah. Wow. So how does it all work? Like if a student who is in Somalia, for example, wants to set up a, a tutorial or watch a live class that's being held at a different time? How, how, how would they go about it? It's dead simple. So it's all run through the dashboard. Mm -hmm. They literally just click a button to register for a tutorial or a live class or book one. And then mm -hmm. at the time, they, they just connect up, meet with the teacher one-on-one, -on -one, as long as their internet is strong. And in most countries around the world now, internet's good enough mm -hmm. to use these uh, VoIP services. Um, yeah, it, it's it's seamless. We we deliver at the moment we deliver between sort of thirty and fifty tutorials a day. Oh wow! Yep, seven days a week. And uh, what about the live classes? Live classes are happening for PT twice a day, for IELTS twice a day, mm. for OET twice a day. Uh, yeah, so we're getting really good at delivering those. They're really interactive, engaging. Dare I say, quite fun. <laughs> And more than anything, effective. So you sort yeah. of, you know, you might do a, a PT reading live class and you walk away thinking, mm -hmm. whoa, okay, I, I get that now. I've been put under pressure. I felt a bit of anxiety, but the teacher stepped me through it and mm -hmm. now I feel like I can do it. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of those. I, we sort of get numbers between 50 and I think the most we've ever had was 700 and something. So Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of students. Yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? So that's pretty amazing. But, I mean, really we can push those. I think the license that we have is up to 5,000. So oh, wow. at some stage I'd like to teach 5,000 students at once. It would be more than I ever taught in the 10 years in classrooms by far. Yeah. What do you reckon are some of the problems that you can encounter when you're teaching so many students online? Well... The beautiful thing is we have the one-on-one -on -one tutorials, mm -hmm. right? So then it's deeply personal yeah. because each language learner has their specific issues and the mm -hmm. teacher will focus in on those specific issues. When we're doing the group classes, 
it's more like a lecture presentation mock slash mock test sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of issues have we had? Somebody's power went out the other day, for example, oh. one of the teachers. <laughs> so that was problematic. So some uh, another teacher had to take his class. But, um, you know, that's pretty rare. I think the technology's mature enough that, uh, yeah, it sort of works quite seamlessly now. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the other thing is people are... You know, a lot of people have never done online learning. Yeah. Yeah, it's new to them. And they sort of think, oh, how does this work? But it very quickly becomes apparent that, oh, this really does work. And, oh, this is really easy. And, oh, this is much more convenient than driving across the city to go to a classroom and being stuck in traffic. So, yeah, I think more and more people start to realise that online learning, for language learning at least, or at least what we're doing is... Mm -hmm as effective, if not more effective, than classroom-based learning. Yeah, exactly. Dare I say that to people. <laughs> I'll probably be strung up for saying that. I think a lot of people prefer to watch videos these days, so, you know. Yeah. Why can't that be a method of learning? Videos are good, but live streaming is better. Mm. You know, there's really – it's, it's like watching a sports match – a recorded, I don't know if you watch sport. <laughs> you watch maybe, <laughs> not, not much. It was like a dude's analogy. Um, in Australia, there's this thing called the grand final, the AFL mm-hmm. grand final, right? And when it's live and everyone's at the pub watching the footy grand final, it's like this amazing sort of like, it's Energy, live. Yeah. Energy, It's like anything could happen. It's totally mm-hmm. exciting, totally engaging. The recorded version the next day that you watch is like, it's not that... Not quite the it's, same. It's pretty yeah. good. You can still get it, but there's something mm-hmm. to live streaming, which psychologically is very interesting. Mm-hmm. So can you walk us through what exactly happens in these live classes? Uh, yeah, so we've got a few different ones. So, for example, let's focus on um, IELTS. Mm-hmm. So we've got an IELTS 7 class and an IELTS 8 class, like an IELTS 7 reading, IELTS 8 reading. So for people who want to achieve a band score of 7 or a band score of 8? Correct. Okay. Yeah. And the live class that uh, the, for the sevens is has a bit of uh, scaffolding, means sort of builds them up with the vocabulary that they need for mm. that reading test, looks at some grammar, does some sort of warm-ups, and then mm. gives them some practice tests. Uh, and then the teacher will, after giving them the practice test, will explain the answers very clearly and go mm-hmm. through the different question types. And, you know, there's a lot that can be done in explanation of answers. Um, IELTS 8 is sort of less scaffolded, less vocabulary driven. It's more just, mm-hmm. you know, good old mock test, put you under pressure. Right. So just to develop their test taking skills mainly. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, the sort of the, the way that we've formatted these slides and the way that the teacher presents them, it's not a webinar. I, I hate the word webinar. It's such a, <laughs> you know, for me, it brings up these conjures up images of such boredom but these live classes are really sort of the rhythms there the tempos there they're engaging they're fun Mm, yeah yeah and I think the term live classes sounds very futuristic as well Mm. so talking of the future what are the future plans for you two language well we're going to continue to refine what we're doing Mm -hmm. technologically pedagogically that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff we're just going to get better at online exam prep right right we, we can clean up the content a little bit more, a bit more teacher training. We're, we're extraordinarily good at the moment, but we can get better. For example, the tutorials, we survey all of our students 
And we've had thousands of people take this survey. I think, oh, I shouldn't say thousands. I think about 1,700 people have taken Mm -hmm. the survey and they rate our tutorials as something like 4.86 out of 5. Wow, that's a a very high rating. Yeah, pretty good. Considering we started this from scratch and no one else has been doing it. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, something like 90, nearly 99% would recommend a tutorial to their friends, right? That's really high. That's pretty good. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're doing really well, but we feel that we can still improve. Um, In addition to just refining what we're doing, we've actually just built a new platform. Um, That's why I sleep under my desk, by the way. I've been incredibly busy. Uh, So we've got a sister platform to E2 Language coming out. Mm -hmm. And maybe for the listeners at home, it will already be out if you're listening to this. Uh, It's called E2 School. And what it's going to do is it's going to take care of those candidates who are not yet ready to take the test, Mm -hmm. English skills aren't good enough, or those candidates who have taken the test and been failing. Because they lack the basics of English, yeah? Precisely. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can learn the methodologies for the PTE back to front. Right. But if your pronunciation isn't up to scratch or your grammar's a little bit weak, Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately, these are language tests. There's only so much learning the methods, how far that will take you. So E2 School will have courses on grammar, vocabulary, pronunciation, Mm -hmm. Um, it's going to have a pre-PTE, pre-IELTS course, oh. which would be really cool. It'll build your vocabulary, familiarise you with the questions, but it'll be a bit simpler, a bit more guided. Mm. Um, so what we're hoping with E2 School is that people can come into E2 School maybe two years before mm-hmm. they're taking the IELTS test or the PTE and, or OET. Spend a couple of years, you know, on and off, building up their skills uh, getting to a point where they've got a high chance of success in the actual exam. So, right. yeah, I'm pretty excited about this platform. It's, we're also building some really cool apps as well, which would be fun. Mm. So it's basically for people who have very little or a basic understanding of English, yeah? Yeah, or even, you know what, we get people who, they may have been living in Australia or the States or somewhere for, for a decade, mm-hmm. and they go and take oh, an yeah. English test. And they go, whoa, and they get a terrible score. Yeah. Yeah, because all of a sudden they're shown that, in fact, the grammar is no good. Yeah. Or the pronunciation is no good. And this hurts, by the way. It hurts to get a low score on these tests. So, I mean, what they can do then is go back and improve some of these things that they've neglected or, Mm -hmm. you know, or overseen. Right. Yeah, so not necessarily beginners, um, even... You know, some advanced learners may need to brush up on specific skills. That's good. I feel like sometimes I need to work on my pronunciation as well. Mm. Certain sounds that I confuse a few times. Sure, sure. Yeah, and your English is is perfect, so. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I think that would, I'm interested to see what that's going to be like. Yeah, it's going to be a big work in progress. It's probably going to take us a a couple of years to get it to Mm -hmm. the point we want, but I think from what we've learned from E2 language, it's it's going to start pretty well. Mm. Yeah. And what about the future of these podcasts? Who are you interviewing next? Um, good question. So, yeah, I'm excited about these podcasts too because what they allow me to do is to have a good one-on-one discussion with some experts. Mm-hmm. So the next podcast that is coming up, I'm, I've interviewed already uh, David Booth from PT Academic. Mm-hmm. And his role at PT is to 
look at um, items, the, the test questions. So he's an expert in the item writing process. Right. So I sort of, I won't say grilled him, but I had a very <laughs> uh, deep discussion with him about best practice for OET preparation, how to approach the different tasks. And he was very generous in giving a lot of good tips and strategies, which um, I, I was very happy that it actually mirrors what we do already. Mm. Um, but that was a great discussion. Um, and I've also just had a discussion with um, a couple of guys from IDP, IELTS, mm -hmm. about writing task two, because that's the sticking point for a lot of people, their writing scores. So that one will be coming up uh, after that, after the PTE one. Uh, that was a, an hour-long discussion on essay writing for the IELTS and how to maximise your scores. Oh, okay. And then following that, I'm hoping to have a discussion with somebody from the OET for all the doctors and nurses out there. Um, and then beyond that, I'm not sure. I'd like to chat to some experts in language testing from the University of Melbourne, our yeah. old haunt. That'd be cool. And um, who knows? I'd also like to chat to some candidates at some point and talk to them. You know what? I was also thinking I'd like to talk to a sports psychologist about I know this sounds weird. Sports psychologist. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. About, about pressure and anxiety. Oh, yeah. that's interesting, yeah. Because that's what sports psychologists do is they help, you know, these athletes mm -hmm. who may have to do extremely um, high-pressure things. Mm -hmm. And these exams are extremely high-pressure. That's true. So it'd be nice to talk to somebody like that about sort of strategies, coping mechanisms, mm -hmm. um, about the psychology of test-taking. Because you know, that can affect you a lot, actually. Even Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. So there's plenty of good stuff coming up, which would be good. All of that sounds really exciting, and I'm looking forward to the next podcast now. Cool. Thanks so much, Jay. Cool. Thanks, Eileen. Thanks for listening to E2 Talks. Next month, Jay talks to David Booth from Pearson about PTE Academic. Remember to subscribe and check out e2language.com for all your test prep needs. Thanks.